Does your bike need some love? Shimano Original Replacement Parts are the best way to renew the original function of your Shimano-equipped bike. Available online and at your local retailer. The Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. Crafted in California, the LEL brand combines the latest technology with cycling tradition to deliver an experience that is authentically California. View their retail gear and custom program at lelcycling.com. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Celine Yeager, and with me is my co-host, Patrick Brady. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. How's it going, Patrick? I'm good. Uh, I got to actually play at racing bikes this past weekend. Uh, how did it go? Were you um, in the sun? Did you burn? Tell us all about it. <laughs> <laughs> some, some people who know me IRL are going to laugh about this. Uh, okay, first, three words. Jackson Demo Forest. This is never place, been. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, a whole lot of Americans have never been. So this is the demonstration forest up in Mendocino County. This is where the grasshopper was back in June. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh I've ridden a handful of the trails that we raced on on Saturday. And oh my gosh, it's so good. It's tight single track. Uh, sections of that are connected by, you know, little, little stretches of uh, logging road. Mm-hmm. But with, with one real exception, uh, like a two K ish climb at the end of each lap, you were in deep forest the whole time. Wow. Uh, so I did not burn. However, the paperwork I got about the doxycycline didn't my version Mm -hmm. didn't say anything about dehydration you go online and you look up is dehydration a side effect of doxycycline turns out the answer is yes of course i didn't bother to do that i just (laughs) up on facebook hey friends does doxycycline cause uh uh, dehydration and (laughs) people are sending me links and emailing me and all this stuff and Oh, yeah. I sweated like I have never sweated in my life. It felt wow. like I just climbed out of a shower. Um, but that's that's just stuff. This event, it was tiny, fewer than 100 racers. Oh, wow. But they they provided food at the end. The you know, the the podium ceremonies were an awful lot of fun. And I'd, I'd say like half the people there were from Sonoma County. It was a whole bunch of us driving up. So it was almost like a a group ride yeah. spaced out over an hour, <laughs> but it was, it was really neat. It was, uh, you know, low key, but professionally done. And in a place that seriously, this has got to be the most underrated riding in the U S. Wow. I mean, you just start with the fact that nobody's heard of it. Yeah. There. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was, so it was awesome. two laps, two two laps for me. Yeah, the the old farts. Uh, I got fourth. That's cool. There were five of us. That's fine. You, you, you don't need to. That, nobody needs to know. That's fine. Um, uh, 
we all introduced ourselves to each other at the start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was one of those things. I have not been going hard and deep because I've been recovering from this thing I did in June and didn't recover right, from all right, that right. well initially. So I raced the first lap. I rode the second lap. <laughs> that happens sometimes. But you finished? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, I've got nothing to complain about. It was a really fun day. I was fully prepared for it to be just kind of a uh, guided tour, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just, I cannot wait to get back up there and do more riding. It's that, that is good. awesome. How far yeah. is it from you? Um, Two-ish hours drive, maybe okay. a little longer. Okay, so not, not right around the corner, but not too no. far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, it's a pretty drive at that. Right. Cool. So, yeah. How was your weekend? Boy, you know, you love when you can't even remember. Oh, it was Labor Day weekend. Oh my, how it is time. Time is so funny, Patrick. Isn't time funny? It was just Labor Day weekend. Um, the weekend was really fun, actually. The weather was perfect, perfect, perfect here. So we got out for like, it was a long ride. We got out for 70 miles, I think just about six hours on the gravel bikes. We rode them down mm. to uh, to a mountain bike, sort of fl- not too technical mountain bike park, not too, too far from here. But it was it was a solid ride. So we rode down to the trails, rode some of the trails on our gravel bikes and then meandered our way home. So it ended up being a big day, like 6,000 feet of climbing. And uh, yeah, it was That's- a Quality, quality Saturday, and then went to the Great Allentown Fair, which is a classic, classic, classic kind of fair. Like everything, you know, the whole the the hamburger and the donuts and the fried Oreos and uh, <laughs> the circus tricks. I mean, the the guy that the human blockhead who puts nails in his face and all of it we have sword swallowers and you just wow. you have to just sort of the, the the farm animals 4-h is there you have to just really embrace the whole thing to the point that i embraced it so much that i bought tickets to see hollow notes the next night so we went and saw uh hollow notes which in a million years i would never seek out because i'm not i not that i not that they're not incredible musicians it's not really my kind of thing but they put on a really good show g love we've we've mentioned before opened for them uh-huh. which was a little bit of a mismatch you know he 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 warmed up the crowd well enough with uh 50 ways to lose your lover he did a cover of that and everyone's like oh this is great and then he went back to his other stuff and they're like oh that's him again but um <laughs> Uh, Hollow played 15 songs uh, and I think 10 of them were top 10 hits. Yeah, uh, and the others were do. probably close to top 10. Like, yeah, yeah it was people are really into Hollow Notes too, man. Like, <laughs> there's some really, I, <laughs> I saw people, people, I thought they'd be slam that. dancing. I mean, there were like young people acting very strangely in my mind, um, to Hollow Notes <laughs> music, but that's <laughs> it's things I just didn't expect. I didn't expect Excellent. to see toplessness. I didn't expect to see people sort of <laughs> slam dancing. I didn't, I didn't expect any of that, but it, it made for a very entertaining evening. Uh, yeah. 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 That would be a different. <laughs> memorable. Yes. It was memorable. <laughs> it was memorable. And he's, he's 72. I guess they both, they all are in their seventies. Um, yeah. I haven't done the math. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I read it in the paper the next day. He's 72 and he, he, Looks and sounds phenomenal. 
I mean, they all do, but like he, you know, he's sort of the front man and uh, <laughs> does a, yeah, does a real good job. Wow. And wow. he's kind of a local boy. So he grew up about an hour from where we are. So that's always kind of interesting. Right. Yeah. Uh, upstate New York? No, in Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think Pottstown. It's not, not far from where I am. Okay. So he was doing a show for a while, like something like live from Daryl's and he would bring people in and they would do a few of his songs and a few of their songs. And they were showing some of that on uh, the big screens before the show. I didn't know what it was, but it now was that cool. you mention it. Yeah. It's a cool show. Yeah. So yeah, that was a weekend. So no complaints. Good deal. Alrighty. Well, so what do you got this week? What do I have? Well, cross is here. Yes, it are. <laughs> it is not just coming. Cross is here. Uh, tonight, Fifth Street Cross, actually, our local uh, cyclocross training series starts tonight. It is uh, one mile exactly down the path, a bike path from my house. It's, it's amazing. The original incarnation of this thing was actual literal mayhem. It was it was mostly invite only though the invite list ended up being as long as like an italian wedding guest list like (laughs) people of people that you just didn't even know were like who's that oh well they're here um and it was held in bill and beth strickland's backyard you know bill strickland of yes Uh so it was right off of fifth street in emmaus hence the name fifth street cross and they would literally put up a legit cross course on their property like they had a pretty big property on the on the side of the mountain and it included like sketchy single track through these pine trees. It was like a muddy off camber descent, high speed finish that went around their uh, pet goats that <laughs> were pe- their pet goats that were penned in by a live electric fence. <laughs> and yes, I mean, people actually did occasionally get zapped, like elbowed <laughs> in the fence, caught in the fence. There were PBR shortcuts every lap. So if you chugged a beer, you could cut part of the course and get <laughs> get in front of people. There were costumes. People would bring their dogs and they would they would run wild. And I, I'll never forget, like we, we were one night we were starting and they're like, OK, go. And it starts downhill in the driveway. And this dog that we affectionately called pig dog because it was a big fat dog ran <laughs> right out in front of the field. And we all just tumbled like people are like pig dog and slamming on the brakes. That was that was pretty much. My that was actually my uh, introduction to cross in many ways. I had done cyclocross. My other introduction to cyclocross was when Dondo, remember Dondo, Captain yeah. Dondo from bicycling? He got he gave me a cyclocross bike that was a 54. I ride a 50. And he took me to the parkway and showed me like how to la- mount and dismount, like the, the, the basics. And mm-hmm. then we drove down to the weekend. He's like, oh, there's a there's a race in Philly. We're going to go. You should race. So I was like, okay. And we driving in and it was in Fairmont Park. I'll never forget. And I was watching people. I'm like, okay, this doesn't look bad. I can probably do this. I was watching like the B's or the C's or whatever they called them then. He had signed me up for the pro race. So (laughs) I had no idea. I was the people's champion for sure. I was at one point I was like running up the hill and people were like screaming. I'm like, I'm so excited. They're screaming for me. I was getting lapped. Of course, the red line girls were just flying by me. I kept missing my bike on the remounts. It was back. Nobody would even talk to me because I didn't. I had a performance wear jersey on. It was ludicrous. But anyway, so. My <laughs> so, so my relationship with Cross has been has been very varied. Uh, um, we would call that rich. Yes, it's rich. It's rich. I, you know, I actually, 
I used to for a few years, years like not that long ago, maybe five years ago, I took it kind of seriously. I had a couple seasons where I did like all of our local like legit races. Uh, I actually won the RPA cyclocross series and I was master state champ one year. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a big, you know, these are not big races. But anyway, um, so it's kind of like every time history cross comes around, which I must mention is earlier every year, like all cyclocross, (laughs) right? Um, I get a little, you know, I get a little excited, not, not, I'm not gluing tubulars, but I I get a little excited because it's just a really good time. Like the course they have now is in our recycling center, uh, which, and it's, it's very fun. So each lap is, and it's also, let's be clear, it's going to be dark because like the second race, (laughs) yeah, you need lights. Um, Each lap is about a mile and a half long and it's, it's, it doesn't work super super well for me because it's definitely a power course like there's not much climbing it's like a lot of long drag race strips some twisty turny bits some swoopy chicanes that are always really fun uh they even put in a double set of pump track whoops that you can go through which are super super fun they usually do a dash for cash at the end which is like some foot down derby or some just silly race that you know they put 20 bucks up and everybody carcasses themselves to try to win um there's a bonfire and the PA system. People come from the borough now. They've gotten word and they just watch and drink beer because Funk Brewing provides some beer. So it's a it's really a good time. And I, you know, thinking about it, it's probably this year the only cross racing I think I'll do this season. Uh, like I said, it used to be pretty serious, but it takes a lot of time and practice to get really yeah. good. Yeah. And honestly, I was never all that di- diligent at that practice part. So mm-hmm. my dismounts and remounts are always kind of terrible. They just got less terrible. My bike carry is still super terrible. And, you know, I would just rely on getting as fit and fast as possible to make up for the ugly technique. And I don't even think I have the mental energy to try to do that just to race cross on the weekends right now. <laughs> so um, maybe I'll jump in a couple of our local races, but probably not. This series runs all the way through to December 5th. So I think I'll probably get my fill once a week just going down. And uh, banging around. That's good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I've asked you this before, and yeah, I have a memory of a goldfish, so I never remember. Um, (laughs) What's your relationship to cyclocross? Do you have one? (laughs) Well, we're we're on speaking terms. (laughs) Uh, um, So 20 years ago, I was a very enthusiastic cross racer. If there was a cross race within two hours of L.A., I was there. And when I was in New England, I was doing a fair number of cross oh. races. I wouldn't go to Maine. You can't, yeah. You can't not. I mean, cyclocross right. is religion. Yeah. Back then I was doing it on a mountain bike. I mean, probably a third of us were, were racing cross on mountain bikes because yeah, we just didn't no, I could have see cross bikes. Yeah. Uh, they weren't really but, a thing for quite a while. Right. It, it was a little slow to catch on over yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but yeah. Here in here in Sonoma County, so Bike Monkey, uh, who's going to come up again later in the show, they have this thing that happens in early November, the Santa Rosa Cup. So instead of spreading out three races over consecutive weekends or something, they do three races in one weekend. Oh, okay. Two years in a row, I was sick by the end of Sunday's race. From the racing? Yeah, just going so hard, so deep, three days in a row. Uh, the very first time I tried it, I was I realized I was sick as I was lining up for the Sunday race. Oh, oh. you know, 
<laughs> uh, the, the, the funny part is Sunday's course is the most fun of the whole bunch, but it's a Friday night, a Saturday morning and a Sunday morning, unless you're really fast and then it's Sunday afternoon. Right. So I'll do those races, right, but right. then everything else is, you know, at least 90 minutes away, if not more. And in 1999, when I was willing to drive two hours, I was not a father. I did not mm-hmm. have a kid playing soccer. Yep. So things right. have changed a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy for me to say, oh, I'll probably go to Sacramento or Santa Cruz for one of those races. It's sort of unlikely. I would love to get a Wednesday night I thing going or something. There's a Tuesday night uh, series going on right now. It just started actually like two weeks ago, but it happens on Tuesday night. My son has soccer practice on Tuesday night. Yeah. And so by the time we're out of out of soccer practice, gotcha. you know, the A race is already going and I wouldn't even want to do the A race. So it's yeah, there are there are plenty of options out there of which I am unable to avail myself of very many. But, you know, honestly, yeah, I get it. The Santa Rosa Cup, when it comes in November, I'm all over that action. It is so much fun. Uh, we there's a group of us who make sure to do lots and lots of beer hand ups. There was one year on the Friday night race. I made sure I think it was my last lap because I was already, you know, whatever, fifth from last or something. I made sure to get every single hand up around the course. There was there was the donut. There was the bacon. (laughs) There was the beer. There was a piece of chocolate. There was something. There were four hand ups. And I made sure that I took up every one of the hand ups on my way around that final lap. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. I, you know, the thing that you were saying about the, the race when it was at uh, Bill and Beth's, I just, I love that borderline mayhem of something that's just kind of unruly and just yeah. about getting out and having fun with friends. I'm a big there's fan. Just, there's not enough of that in cycling. Yeah. And I mean, there's some funny, funny, funny photos of me doing beer hand ups at the Santa Rosa Cup. Uh, and, I'm hopeful that there are a couple more embarrassing photos of me this year. Amen to that. Nope. That's, <laughs> that's uh, and I think that, I think the nice thing about cyclocross is that it can uh, check all those boxes. You know, it, it can provide the competitive stuff for the, if you want that at the front end of the field <laughs> and it can just be a, a rolling party for the people who don't necessarily want that, um, you know, in, in other ways and other avenues. So I think uh, I think that's a giant appeal. And here, you know, like people do bring a lot of, you know, there's it's the kind of a village down there. So a lot of people do bring their kids and, the you know, pe- spectators sort of watch over the kids to make sure they mm-hmm. don't wander off or fall into the fire or anything. And um, <laughs> yeah, so it's just it just works, you know. Yeah, it's just a I gathering. Love- it's just and it gets mm-hmm. you through the winter. You know, I mean, it's Yeah. Well, if it ends in early December, it's well, not doing just, a great job. Of you really I was, I, as soon as I said that, I was like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need to work on that part. because We do need something to get us. Yeah. The winter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So that's what I'll be up to tonight. What do you got? Excellent. Okay. We're going to break for a sponsor and then we are going to talk about when is a good time to buy a new bike? Mm. 
At Shimano, we love riding and we know you do too. As a small repayment for all the joy your bike has brought your life, we encourage you to maintain your bike regularly. Genuine Shimano replacement parts will keep your Shimano equipped bike running smoothly. Whether your bike is built with 105, XTR, or our new gravel group, GRX, a well-maintained bike will operate better and go faster. Worn out a chain? Consider that a badge of honor. You've been riding a lot. Does it sound like metal on metal when you hit your rim brakes? That's a sign it's time for new brake shoes. What if your disc brakes don't feel as crisp as they used to? Cool, you've been going fast. Give them a bleed. Does your chain skip on smaller cogs? You're using all your gears, and now your cassette is shot. Is that old saddle creaking? It may be fatigued because of all the miles you've put in. Consider a saddle from Shimano's Pro line of components. And what about your feet? Cleats can and do wear out, especially the right cleat if you're a cyclocross racer. Whether it is the plastic cleat on a road shoe or metal SPD cleat, they can and do wear out. To keep that love burning bright, Show your bike a little TLC and take it by your nearest Shimano dealer to keep it running just like when it was new. Okay, we are back with the Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick, talk to us. What do you have going well, on? You know, before we get to my poll, okay. you know what we utterly failed to mention last week? Probably many things, but <laughs> give, me, give me the top one. <laughs> well, uh, your colleague, Molly Herford, right. named the Pace Line as one of the 12 podcasts worth subscribing to. And, you know, honestly, I was pretty stoked to get the nod, especially as you told me she didn't even run it by you. Can I tell you something that's kind of funny? So, oh, please. So when I saw that on the Bicycling homepage, because that's where I saw it, um, I was like, she could have at least like included us <laughs> like in my head. <laughs> and I was like, okay, be a grown up. You know, I'm sure she's got lots of good podcasts on that list. And then I read it and I'm like, oh, she did. She just didn't tell me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. So thank uh, you, Molly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, you know, even more importantly, thank you all you listeners, right. because if you guys weren't listening, we wouldn't have popped on her radar. So really. Okay. On to my poll. It's September, as you've noticed. So yes. that means it's a new year, right? Kinda. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> not really, <laughs> except in the bike industry. So September mm. is when a great many bike shops start receiving their next year's models. In other words, your local bike shop is probably taking receipt of some of their 2020 models. Mm -hmm. I know. It's crazy. I can remember working in shops years ago and we'd get excited if the new models started arriving in December because it meant we could start building up bikes sooner and we were less likely to get put on involuntary vacation for a few weeks after Christmas. Mm. January in a bike shop. I don't care where you are. January in a bike shop is dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Southern hemisphere accepted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lead times for bike development has gotten crazy. Uh, for those companies who overhauled a model this year, their engineers and product managers started working on that bike at least two years ago if it's made from carbon fiber. So here's the thing. While all our colleagues are busy writing about the new whatever they are seeing at Eurobike, mm -hmm. which is going on right now in Germany, mm -hmm. and yes, bikes are cool, <laughs> the reality is that buying this year's bike right now can make tons of sense. 
<laughs> okay. I see that look on your face. <laughs> I'm following this. Go ahead. So discounts on this year's models that haven't sold out. Right. Important caveat. Right. Can be discounted by 20% or more. Right, right, right. Oh. So hmm. as a, for instance, right now, I know Canyon is selling all of this year's bikes at 20% off. Mm-hmm. Further, online retailers like Competitive Cyclist are selling bikes at what are often even steeper discounts of 25 or even 30% off. Okay. It's easy to look at this year's bike and then look at the improvements in next year's bike and think, mm, I need to wait and get the latest and greatest. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I get it. I get it. And if you're comparing MSRP to MSRP, you're likely to have a good reason to want to wait for the new bike. But once you consider that it's possible to save 20% or more on this year's bike, I promise it becomes very hard to justify the extra expense. Now, here's the challenge. Forecasting is crazy difficult, and more and more product managers are forecasting on the short side rather than risk having a warehouse full of last year's models. The upshot is that it may be hard to find the model you want, or it may be a challenge to find the size. Mm -hmm. They've They've got the model, just not your size. And it's one of those weird things. Sometimes all the middle sizes sell out first, and sometimes it's all the big and small sizes that sell out first. So for those who are concerned about taking business to an online retailer rather than their local bike shop, I'll say that if you really want to do your local shop a solid, take your bike to them for service. Mm -hmm. Sure, they'd like to sell you a bike from their inventory, but what will really help them stay afloat is paying them to service your bike. So for anyone who's contemplating a new bike purchase and they aren't considering something handmade here in the U.S., here are my best suggestions. One, set your budget first. Know what you want to spend. It's really easy to start upgrading that amount as you're looking at bikes. Don't focus on one model and build of bikes. Uh, look Look at comparable bikes from other manufacturers. Because, again, they may be out of your size or that model, whatever. Be prepared to look more broadly. Take time to ask your local retailer if they will be having specials on the bikes they carry and ask them to check on anything that you're interested in but they don't already have in stock. Be prepared for them to recommend something that is already in stock, though. They have to make those bikes go home with someone. Mm -hmm. Finally, check to see if the manufacturer you're considering offers a credit line. Spreading that purchase over 12 months with no interest can be an incredible way to level up on the build. Mm-hmm. Suddenly it's much less, it's, you know, it's a lot less painful if, you know, you're dropping 200 bucks a month or something, you know. Do a lot like of gonna, manufacturers do that? It's become more and more common. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm Makes sometimes sense. surprised. It's, it's a fantastic thing. It really people is people will spend more. I mean, oh, yeah. ca- cars, houses, a lot of there's a lot of things to prove that <laughs> that if you let people spread it out, they will buy more. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, you know, it's even better for your life if you're making a smaller payment over a longer period of time. You know? Yeah. So I yeah, I really support it. Um, yeah. So that's my gig. Cool. No, that's that's super solid advice. I, it's funny. I, I know that like whenever you go to like a Eurobike or RIP Interbike, um, 
that you were, you know, the people were trying to be excited sometimes about showing you what they were showing you because they were very excited about something that they were not able to tell you about. <laughs> so it's, it's always really interesting, especially when they have a big revamp coming up and they have no, they they can't say anything about it. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's sort of buying Christmas decorations after Christmas or any of the things that people do when they want to save money. Like that's, that's now is the time. Like if you've yeah. got a, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that as I'm bopping around websites from time to time, I look at the deals and it's like, oh my gosh, if I had an extra 5k right now. Oh, for it, sure. There's, there's so much good stuff out there. There's yeah. so much good stuff out there. I haven't, yeah. uh, I mean, I have the open, which I now use for almost everything. Uh, but I haven't, man, I haven't invested in a new road bike. I'm not sure how long I want to say it's gotta be going on five years. It has to be, which I know isn't in eternity, but in some ways it's a long time. Cause I put a lot mm-hmm. of miles on things. Uh, I, I, I use them, I use them pretty regularly. Uh, and my cross bike is forget about it. I got that. Before I did Dirty Kanza the first time. So that's 2012. And that thing has that it, she should be retired. Um, yeah, she's yeah. getting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> if it's safe anymore, but uh, um, <laughs> we'll find out. I guess. <laughs> maybe maybe the hard way. Um, well, no, I don't the, want to see you in bandages. No, next no, week. no. I, I already am from last week. My joyous crash from last week. So I don't. I got that out of the way. Uh, yeah. Cool. I I I, I won't even look. I'm not even going to look because if I start looking, then I'm going to start wanting. And I, I yeah, don't, that's how that I, goes. I don't want to buy a bike right now. Yeah, it is. It is how it goes. It's like going. I'm just going to go look at the puppy. You know, <laughs> I'm going to take the pup. I'm going to take the puppy home. We don't need a puppy. <laughs> Next thing you know, <laughs> who's got a puppy? So, yep, that is exactly how that works. Only go look at the puppies, kids. If you actually want to bring the puppy home, that's that's the take home from uh, <laughs> the pace line this week. Yeah, yeah, nothing dangerous here. Yeah. Alrighty, let's move on to pace line picks. <laughs> Mine is uh, it's not a new thing, but it's sort of a rediscovered thing for me. So I have ridden nothing but speed plays on the road for 25 years. Literally. Yay. Like I, I I have changed them to test pedals, and I don't test a lot of pedals, maybe on the road, I think honestly, once. Mm. And true story. I fell over in the middle of a road, a busy road. So it was a little, it was not, it was not great uh, because of that flipping over the foot thing that we've talked about, flipping over the pedal thing to get into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's just not a uh, reflex that I have developed over time, let's say. Um, and I just, I've always liked my speed plays. So I've always just kept them. Like if it's not broke, I totally just, they, they have done me well. That said, uh, I've never been able to make them work off road. Not not taking road pedals, of course, because Speedplay road pedal pedals would not work in any <laughs> off-road situation. No, um, I could tell some stories. Oh, me too. I used lip gloss in Montana. Like the first time we had, I had to ride gravel was in Montana. This is 100 years ago. And we had to go through this ranch and I had to walk some of it because it was powdery. And it took me five miles and a tube of lip gloss to get back into my pedals. Like I jammed so much lip gloss and you're looking at me horrified into those pedals. No, that this is a look of amazement and wonder (laughs) at your ingenuity. I just was like, I must get into these pedals. What do I have? And um, that worked. But anyway, uh, (laughs) 
They have gotten better that way, too. I find that they're not quite as finicky as they used to be if you get them <laughs> if you get them a little dirty. Um, but the frogs, in my opinion, were one of the more terrible petals ever produced. Sorry. I love you. But the frogs. <laughs> oh, my God. They were terrible. Um, and I tried the scissors when they first came out. And mm-hmm. um, for riding the mountain bike. I had a very hard time getting used to the engagement. I'm sure you've tried them. So it's more of that toe in engagement. Yep. If you don't. It's mandatory toe in. It is. Yeah, it's mandatory toe in. If I found that if I was riding somewhere where I didn't have to clip in and out much, it was fine. But when Mm -hmm. I did, it was not. I just never. Maybe I wasn't patient enough. I could have. I did. You know, I didn't give it months, but I gave it some time. I gave it weeks and I just never. I just gave up. And I put them away. Uh, but now that gravel is such a big part of my cycling life, I have rediscovered my love of scissors because they there is for anyone who has not tried them. It's very hard to explain the intimate engagement that you get with the pedal and your shoe with the scissors. It feels like nothing else I have ever tried. Like mm-hmm. you. You really do feel like you are 100 percent engaged. With no weird jiggling or wiggling. It's not to say that they don't have some float. They have adjustable yes, they have like float. Yeah. float. But it's but you ne- you never feel disengaged at all. And it's it's a really great feeling. Like so in, in gravel when you know I'm not clipping and unclipping and doing all that kind of stuff. Right. I have found them to be quite delightful. I've gotten back on them and I'm and I'm actually considering like switching some shoes around um, to put those cleats on them because I've, I've, I'm like, this, this is, this is a good thing for a hundred miles or however long, like this very engaged feeling. Cause I, so as much as I use my speed place, it's the one thing I don't love about them as I always feel like there's a little not tightness in there. You know what I mean? There's always just like a little, the float is more free on the road pedal than it is on the scissor. Yes, 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 for sure. I mean, you, you've got just as much range of motion with the scissor. Yeah. Or can have. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's not as free and smooth. Um, yeah. Did I say speed play? Because I was, I, what I was trying to make a comparison to was my SPDs, my Shimano. Oh, oh, yeah. That, yeah so I might have misspoken that. Um, on the, on, so when I'm talking about the dirt, I use the, I, I typically run Shimano so on SPDs. And, no matter what, there's always, I find there's just always a little wiggle. It's hard j- jiggle, wiggle. I, I don't, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you have a better adjective, but it's, it's. No, no that works. It's uh, a little. There's a little, little motion. There's right. a little slop. A little Tiny slop. Little That's bit. a good way to put it. Just yeah. a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And on gravel, when you're going, I, I find I notice that a bit more. Like on the rocks, I'm not noticing it. Mountain biking, I'm not noticing it because there's too much else going on. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but but for long stretches where you're in the kind of gravel riding you can find yourself doing, it becomes more noticeable. Yep, totally agree. And that's why when I reviewed the scissor, I said, you know, this is not a pedal I'm going to use a whole lot for mountain biking, but Mm. is this is my go-to for gravel riding now? Yeah, yeah, it. I totally love it for that. Yeah, totally dynamite pedal. And they're so light. They're mm-hmm. so light. Um, 
I, I looked it up. It's like a hundred fifty-six grams, which is eleven ounces uh, or so. Which is that's a light pedal. That's a very it is. That's a that's a light pedal, and it, again, like the power transfer is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing I like them for is if I'm doing touring, and again, I want that secure road feel. Oh yeah. I'll use them that way, and then you know I've got I've got a good feeling pedal, something that feels like a road pedal but I've got a shoe I can walk around in. Right. Right. Well, bonus. And they are not finicky when you get dirty. Now I have not tried them. And I don't know if you have, like I have not tried them in sloppy conditions. Like I've not ridden like in mud or that kind of thing where, you know, sometimes pedals become problematic. Mm -hmm. I have, and I have had to put some lubrication on the cleat to keep the, the float, mobile the way it needs to be uh the way it ought to be and so you know yeah you can you can get them packed up with something so that by the end of the day they're not moving a whole lot but it's easy enough to clean them up and get them working right again and you know for me that's a small price to pay for something that feels as secure as that yeah yeah cool yeah so that's my pick for this week cool well remember how i mentioned bike monkey earlier i do that's so, your pick? Yeah. Uh, you know, they're a NorCal based here in Sonoma County promoter. And it's funny, a lot of times their their annual season is heavy on the spring and fall and kind of light in the summer. Mm-hmm. We have uh, that here. They typically in a normal year, i.e. before the town burned down, <laughs> there would be the Anadel mountain bike race toward the end of the summer. And that thing is fantastic. It's a, it's a veritable tour of that park, but okay. So for the last two years, we haven't had that. And it's been quiet ever since Wente, the eight hour race that happens up in Mendocino County Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of June. I missed it because I was at dirty Kansas. Anyway, fall on its way. They've got several events coming up in October and November. First up Levi's grand Fondo, which I expect most folks have heard of by this Mm -hmm. time and it's just one of the better organized and prettier rides anyone will ever do guaranteed one of the prettiest rides you'll ever do promise then in late october is the hammer road rally which is a road ride with a little bit of gravel tossed in i'm told that you can get through that with definitely 32s maybe if it's a bulletproof tire 28s but you don't need to go like full gravel tire right uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, originally that event was in rolling Hills, just outside of Fresno, mm-hmm. but it has now been moved up into the Sierra and where the ride goes is just spectacular terrain. It starts up above 5,000 feet of elevation though. Uh, so you, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get below 5,000 at right. any point that day. Right. Uh, it's so it's going to be taxing. They do four different lengths ranging from 27 miles up to 85 and yeah, all of them at altitude. Um, And then uh, in November is the hardest sub 50 mountain bike race I have ever done in my life. Sonomas. So it's held at Lake Sonoma, Northwest of Santa Rosa. This thing is just crazy hard. Okay. I'll frame it for you this way. 35 mile race. Okay. Mm -hmm. 7,000 feet of climbing. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my, There's that's essentially insane. 
Yeah, there's essentially no flat anywhere in the event. <laughs> That's You're either a going lot of climbing for 35 miles on a mountain bike. Yeah, and just so many times you're on your way up something, and if you're stupid like me and look down at your Wahoo and look at the gradient because you've got it there in one of the big numbers, and it'll say something like 22 or 24. Uh, it's Yeah, it is just so hard. It It's absolutely brutal, and as a result, big fun. Yeah. But uh, new for this year are two shorter options, one at 25 miles, which I'm busy trying to talk myself out of, <laughs> and then a 15 mile fun ride, which is a, a real surprise for them to add. So that's a nice thing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really great events and just so well organized and results. Uh, some of the events, like you cross the line, you can go over to a monitor yeah. and see your result right then and there. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. And, and when they're supposed to have support, it's really there. That you know, the food is good. You know, if you need a mechanic, they've got everything. I I really enjoy doing their events because they're just so buttoned up. Cool. Have you done Levi's ride? It sounds like you have. Uh, I've done Levi's nine of the ten years they've had it. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, I tell people, you know, this is no exaggeration at all. It was Levi's Fondo that really caused me to fall in love with Sonoma County. Hmm. I had been up here uh, for a, a couple of trips, but, you know, I liked it. But then there was this this annual pilgrimage up here the first three years of Levi's Fondo. You know, I came for the first year. And a lot thought, oh, wow, this was great. OK, I'll definitely come back. Came back the second year and started thinking, man, this area is really something. The third year I come up, it's like, I'd like to move here. So it was the act of coming wow. up for annual trips of that Fondo. And now I live here. Huh. Yeah. So credit where due. Cool. Yeah. Um, so come one, come on. I know, I know. Like all these <laughs> Join things us for a ride. I, uh, I got I got to put it on the calendar. Now for next year, it doesn't happen. That's kind of how things work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe you and I'll sit down and have a talk about what you ought to come out here for. For sure. We should do that. There we go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, that's a wrap for another episode of The Pace Line. Are you pinning on a number this weekend? I am not. That's next weekend starts the number pinning again. This weekend, I think, is free, which is amazing. Having free weekends is I mean, we have stuff going on. You know, my daughter has <laughs> stuff and there's things, but uh, it's all at home. And I think it's a pretty relaxed weekend, which is great because it gives us a chance to catch up on stuff. And then next week is Keystone Gravel, which is uh, our little gravel enduro ride, which uh, super right. fun, super hard, ridiculous time. And then things start giving us start rolling. There's another event the weekend after in the state college area. Unpaved is now right around the corner. Iron Cross is right <laughs> around the corner. So, yeah, yeah, things getting serious and fall around here. Mm, excellent. Yeah, I was going to do a neat gravel ride down in Marin County. Can't be there. Sun soccer game. Soccer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's one of those things that I'm going to miss other soccer games. So I want to make sure I'm at this one. Totally. It'll be it. his first soccer game ever in his actual uniform. So now you got to do this, it. The cuteness is going to be something. Yeah. Oh, and I'll be able to stand outside for this one. <laughs> As opposed to. Oh, because it's I'm not on doxycycline <laughs> right, anymore. Right. I'm not a vampire. Perfect. <laughs> Hooray. 
Yeah. Hey, talk for just a second about that piece you did on Jill Patterson setting the QOM for Pike's Peak. I won't remember. That's kind of nutty cool. It is kind of nutty cool. I won't remember all the details of it. But um, yeah, she is a her whole story is kind of cool. She lives in Virginia, which is like thirty nine feet above sea level, (laughs) like literally like thirty nine feet. And she went out a couple of years ago. She's a coach. She works for Peach uh, Peaks Coaching Group, which is um, the uh, the Hunter Allen, you know, the Peaks Coaching Group. So it's it's their it's their joint down there. Um, she works for them and she goes out to Colorado. She's got family there. She goes out to Keystone just to visit family and spend some time riding that kind of thing every summer. And she went out a couple of years ago and she just went out to sort of do some of the, you know, the epic climbs, like the Mount Evans and all that kind of stuff out there. And she went and she did Pike's Peak and she didn't have anything special and she hadn't really trained or acclimated and she got second. On, yeah, which is yeah. crazy on a QOM. And I know Strava is not everything, but kind of like it's still a really good indicator of a lot of things because people race up that thing. So um, she got second. Not to say that she wasn't in any kind of shape. She she always trains for the New York Grand Fondo, which is like oh, the Olympics around here. You know, so she she did have form, but she was like, wow, if I had a lighter bike and specific training, I think I could actually like get it, you know, so. And the weather and, and circumstances didn't work out for her last year during her visit. So this year she made it a priority. She had a lighter bike. She has a bike from a company called Artemis, uh, which is a small DC. And they have a, actually a climbing, like a very light climbing bike. She has she has one of those. She went mm-hmm. out. She decided she won New York Grand Fondo this year, in May, which <laughs> is trick. insane because the woman from Colombia who has won it 12 times was coming back with a film crew to win 13. Right. Right. Does not win 13. Jill wins one. (laughs) So that's an awesome story in and of itself. So she comes out to Keystone and she's like, she knows that she usually stays two weeks. And she, you know, she explained to me that the longer she's there, you know, she's doing so much riding and running around. She gets kind of tired from it. So she really didn't want to wait to do because she knew she had all this form to do her ascent. So she pretty much just came in and did it on the worst day you could, which is day three. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they say, like, either stop, drop and roll or give yourself a week or so. Right. Like the <laughs> two days after crappy sleep at altitude when you're not ready for anything is usually not a great plan. But she just she went out and she really she, you should if you're people are interested, you should read the story because she was so methodical about it. Like she had her watt meter and she did some just a couple. Of, she went up Loveland Pass and did a couple of shakeout and looked at her watts and decided like she was going to aim for to average 200, which means on the lower elevations, lower being very relative, you know, because it's it's all around 8000. You're still already at altitude. Yeah. yeah um she was going to go bake 235 and then, you know, try to hold above 200 as long as she could. And she did until like the last, I don't remember, third or a quarter. And then she's like, I just stopped looking at the watts and just went by perceived <laughs> exertion because there was no point. But she she won by like she beat her previous time by 17 minutes and she's well ahead of the previous uh, holder. I can't remember the time. She did it in like 209, uh, which. So super cool. It was a really, yeah, it's a really, yeah. and yeah. It, it's a, it's an interesting 
testimony. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, but I've always found that too. Like, I don't think you have to live at altitude to be successful at altitude. You just have to train smart. And she did. She trained sweet spot. Like she trained all the metrics that she knew she would need to hold, like the power numbers she knew she would need to hold. She did these little uh, micro burst training. So she would like go really hard for 15 seconds and then just soft pedal for like 10 and go really hard. She was trying to train her body to recover in like micro, you know, knowing because the recoveries was hard. You're not compromised anaerobically out there, which I learned the hard way. You can shoot off the line like a cannonball, but you're never going to (laughs) recover from it. And I've I've done it. I'm like, I feel amazing. And then like, you don't feel so amazing because your body needs oxygen for that recovery process, which I know, but you know, you conveniently forget sometimes when you get carried away. (laughs) Um, but she she kept all that very tightly in mind and she trained accordingly. And she talks about like how, um, you know, when she was going up, she would literally just stop pedaling for like a second just to like mentally let herself reset towards the end and just keep and then just keep refreshing mm-hmm. herself. And uh, it's cool. It's cool what you can do if you plan and, you know, really specificity is kind of everything. I always say that. And that's just in my mind, it's kind of proof of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is kind of a case study in, in doing everything correctly. Totally. That's why I was intrigued by the story. Cause as soon as I yeah. saw it, I'm like, she did everything correctly. And, and, and look what happened. Yeah. And look what happened. <laughs> Destroyed the record. Trust the process. I said, yeah, that's, that's a saying too. And it's true. Like if you, I mean, certainly things go awry and whatever, but if you, the process is often works. If you do everything the way you should, the results are often there. I mean, that you don't necessarily, she clearly has native talent. Let's be honest. You know, that's <laughs> yes. But, you know, she applied herself. And if you apply yourself, your native talent shines. Yeah. Neat yeah. trick. Show your friends. <laughs> <laughs> I try. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, everybody, keep those questions coming. You all have been sending some great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. Don't forget those Paceline kits from Primal. They are up in the RKP store. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for cyclists. This week's show features author Stephen Kotler, who is one of the foremost expert experts on flow states. For those who enjoyed my poll last week on flow, this interview is an even deeper dive into the subject. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.